The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to Privacy Piracy on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and online at KUCI.org. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. If you don't know Mari, let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She also sits on the advisory board of the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's a sheriff reserve here in Orange County. She's testified many times in Congress and the California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on TV on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly, Geraldo, Montel, and lots of radio shows. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Good evening, Murray. Good evening. You know, we have been so lucky to have wonderful people on our show. And if you remember, we had the privacy officer for Choice Point, Carol DeBatiste. And she has, uh, you know, Choice Point had gone through some real challenging times, and they've really done some wonderful things. So we've invited now someone else working at Choice Point, Catherine Bryant, who's the Vice President for Consumer Ad- Advocacy at Choice Point. And Catherine, let me tell you a little bit about her. She provides leadership related to consumer outreach for Choice Point. Now, this would include building and maintaining relationships with consumer advocates and also consumer advocacy, which includes leading the operations teams responsible for assisting affected and concerned consumers. Also, she deals with consumer policy, which includes educating and evaluating and developing policies and regarding issues with reference to consumers and their problems. Choice Point's consumer website is choicetrust.com. As Assistant General Counsel, which was Catherine's former position with Choice Point. Her practice consisted of compliance and regulatory manners concerning the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which we've talked many times about and we'll talk about again tonight. She also dealt with consumer disclosure rights and privacy laws. Prior to going to Choice Point, Catherine was an associate, she's an attorney, with Morris Manning and Martin LLP in Atlanta and Rothgerber Johnson and Lyons LLP in Denver. Fun place to live. So we're so thrilled to have her join us. Good evening, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us late in the evening there. Oh, thank you, Maury, for having me. It's my pleasure. So how long have you been working at Choice Point? I've been at Choice Point almost seven years. In February uh, 2008, it will be seven years. Oh, all right. And I understand Choice Point recently had an anniversary. Yes, it did. We just recently celebrated 10 years as Choice Point. And so you were there we're almost right when it was a baby. Almost. I just missed um, ringing the bell. <laughs> <laughs> I joined them just a few, a few years later. Maybe you could give a little history of Choice Point. I know it was a spinoff of Equifax, so kind of just give us a little bit of history so people understand who and, and what Choice Point does. 
Oh, sure. As you mentioned, ChoicePoint was a company that was part of Equifax, the credit bureau. Um, and 10 years ago, we spun off as a separate company. And at that time, we were um, really focused on the insurance and employment industries as our primary customers. And we've since then grown um, considerably. And we now are a company that provides information and technology tools to um, private businesses, government agencies, and nonprofit organizations to help them make decisions related to economic or physical risks. Um, more than 70% of our revenue is derived from activities that clearly benefit consumers, such as assisting them in getting employment, assisting them when they're shopping for insurance and getting better rates, looking for an apartment, or volunteering with a nonprofit organization. And, and tell us, basically, what, what do you do? You, you, <laughs> you, you were assistant to the general counsel, so now you're, you're wearing a newer hat. How long have you been in this newer hat? I am wearing a newer hat. I took this role in November, October, November of 2006, so it hasn't quite been a year yet. And um, it was a good transition for me because before when I was assistant general counsel, it was for the business group that did employment background checks. And so a lot of the issues that I deal with in this job that I have today, I actually dealt with before in my prior role. But um, then I was really acting as a representative of the company because I was the attorney. Today, I'm really more the voice of the consumer, the subject of our information. And, and what does that mean? So, so what exactly are you doing in your consumer advocacy? Okay. Well, I am, what I am trying to do is develop a relationship between ChoicePoint and the American public. What I want to do is really throw out the welcome mat for them and tell the public that ChoicePoint is transparent. You can come to us and you can find out what it is that we can do that we do. You can find out what type of information we have. You can get copies of reports that will show you that. You can come back to us and say something in the report is wrong or not up to date, and we will work with you to correct that information. So we're really wanting employee um, I'm sorry, we're wanting consumers to feel empowered and as if Choice Point um, respects them and appreciates their input and that we're not a secret, and what we do is not a secret, and the information that we have is not a secret. Okay, so, so tell me, um, what, what kinds of information does ChoicePoint collect? Um, ChoicePoint primarily collects information from the public record. Um, so, for example, we will collect criminal record information when we're doing a background check. We pull um, information from other public sources, such as bankruptcies, judgments, liens. We will um, report if someone, for example, has um, UCC filings. The other thing that we do um, provide is information related to claims history. And that information is provided to us from um, insurance carriers, reputable sources who are basically telling us information that they have about an individual's claim history. Right. And you, you also collect uh, information, for example, other public records like uh, licenses, right, like pilot license, captain license. Is that correct? We do have some licensing information. I don't know if we have those specific, too. Yeah, I think I saw that on one of them. So, so basically, you now how, how does someone find out um, if they are if there has been a, um, a database pulled on them or a profile or, or whatever? 
how do they know if a, a search has been done on that yes, by someone? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that depends on why the search was done. If someone pulls a search in connection with employment, the individual will actually find out prior to the search being done just because by law the employer or potential employer is required to tell them and also to get their written consent. So in that segment, they will actually find out uh, in advance. Now, when they, let, me, let me ask you a little question, Catherine. Now, do is it I, – I, I didn't think it was required, or you tell me if it was required that, that the – a potential employee know which um, data broker is doing the investigation, do they? I, I didn't think so. Actually, they do have to tell them because if they want to dispute, if the consumer wants to dispute the information, okay, they have to be told where to go to do that. So the employer does have to tell them the name of the company doing the search. Okay. Okay. Because yes. I've seen some that, that hasn't. It just says, will you allow, check the box, yes, you know, we'll allow a credit bureau report and a background check, but I haven't seen where it said which one. Because I know even when I had to become a sheriff reserve mm-hmm. and they did a, an extensive background check, they didn't say which company. So that's why I was wondering. Yeah, I think most employers probably tell the consumer after the background check has been done. Right, right, right. And they're providing them, you know, they may be taking what we refer to in the industry as adverse action, right? meaning they may not get the job or they're not going to get the promotion. And then they will tell them, if you have an issue, contact this company. Right. I don't know that all of them put that information in the consent form on the front end. Right, right. So that's you probably know, why you haven't seen it. Yes. Um, now, you had worked in the um, before as assistant general counsel to, um, you worked in that area of background checks, right? Yes. So let me ask you something, because this is a huge issue for people, and that is that, um, what many companies, even though they're supposed to by law, they're supposed to tell you um, that they rejected you or they took some adverse action based on a background check. A lot of times, they're afraid to do that. The re- in reality, they won't do it. They'll just say somebody else was more qualified than you are, and that's why we didn't take you. And so, I've even had lots of victims myself, Catherine, who have didn't even know that they had this criminal background that was fraudulent because people just didn't tell them. <laughs> they right. just said somebody else was more qualified. Now, I know that's not Choice Point's, Choice Point's fault at all, but um, it, it is obviously the fault of the employer. But the truth of the matter is, is that is happening. So um, what, do you, what, what can be done about that? Well, I would encourage individuals to come to Choice Point regardless of the answer that you receive from the employer, and ask for a copy of the report that was provided to the employer. And that way, the individual can see whether there is anything in the background check that is of concern, whether it's true or or not true. You know, if people are not being told that their background check was used to make an employment decision, but then they get a copy of the background check and they see their prior employer said something negative, their education didn't verify, there's criminal records on the report that they maybe thought the employer wouldn't learn of or, or, or care about, then, then that will give them um, you know, information to go and do further investigation. On the other hand, if there's information in the report that should not have been there, you know, they were expecting their report to be clear because they don't have any criminal records, right. but for some right. reason the report has a criminal record in it, 
then that that does two things for them. One, it lets them know that maybe that was something the employer considered. And then two, it helps them know they need to get their records corrected because wrong information is being reported about them. Exactly. So it's a good idea for people before they're going to look for new employment or before they're going to look for a promotion or something in in some way where there's going to be a background check requested. It's it's probably a good idea to to get a background check from ChoicePoint. Absolutely. We encourage that 100%. If, If individuals want to see the information that we have, they can go to our website, which you mentioned earlier, www.choicetrust.com, and they can also call an 800 number that we have. It's 888-395-0012, and they can request what we call full file disclosure. If you go to Choice Trust, we refer to it as accessing your personal information, and you can make a request of ChoicePoint to send you the information that we have in our files, and that request is actually broader than just information that would be used for employment background check. You would also see your claims history information. You would see your public records report. Um, You would see the type of information that an apartment, for example, would care about. We have tenant history reports and eviction data. And so even beyond just applying for a job, it's a way for you to verify in advance when you're not in a critical position of looking for a job or shopping for insurance. It's a way for you to make sure that your information is correct so that when someone does finally pull a search on you, they will get the right data. Right. So, Catherine, will we get, if if I, for example, go on to ChoicePoint and I get the, the um, what you talked about, the complete disclosure, will I get everything that might be collected or, or every bit of the, the um, you know, the disclosure that might go to government or... Anyone else that might do a background, like let's say the FBI, if the FBI, if I wanted to do some work, some of the sheriff reserves are doing work for the FBI and they're going through background checks. Will everything, will I see everything that the FBI would see, for example? You will see everything that is at choice point. I see. Okay. Okay, So we, part of what we do is we have some databases that are here in-house. And then we have some information that we have to go outside to collect, for example, credit reports. Those are not within ChoicePoint. We would have to go to a credit bureau to ask for those. So when you as a consumer come to us and ask for your files, we will give you what's here in-house at ChoicePoint. But we won't go externally and collect any other information. So you're not going to see 100% of what a customer would see. Okay. So if an employer, for example was um, trying to do a background check on me, you, and I wanted to see it first, I would see what you have um, right now in your own database is what you're saying. Exactly. But exactly. they would have the opportunity to have you do outside search with outside companies, or are these affiliates, or, or what are they? These are outside companies. Um, and the example that I gave was credit. If uh, some employers, depending on the position, will pull a credit report because the individual, for example, is going to work with money and they feel the credit report is relevant. And when they ask us for credit, we have to go to the credit bureaus to ask for that report. We don't have any credit information here at ChoicePoint. Another example would be a motor vehicle record. Okay. When um, insurance companies want to see your driving history, we have to go to the, to the the various DMVs and ask for that report from them because we don't store that information here at ChoicePoint and we don't own that information or have the ability to put that report together. Okay, but once you do go out to that third-party vendor, then you it becomes part of your whole report? Right. It becomes part of our report, 
And, and is they, there a way that a consumer can get that? Can yes. they Can they ask for all of those? They don't even have to ask. To the extent that was part of a prior report, and it's still in our database, we would provide it. So, okay, so if it was already assembled for a third party, someone who had gotten it, whether it be a, an, a potential employer or, or some other reason, if, it's, if it was there, you would have that, you keep that in your file? We keep it in our file for a certain period of time. Okay, how much There's, time about? Um, probably about six months. It really varies on the type of data. But six months is a, is about a, you know is a pretty good benchmark for how long we would have outside information. Yeah. But because of our contracts, we're not allowed to store that information indefinitely. Right. So, um, and these, this is a really great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, so, for a consumer who we've already done a background check on, when they come and ask for their complete disclosure, one of the things that they will get is that prior report. To the extent we have the outside information still that would be provided as well. They don't have to ask for it specifically. I see. And if it's been more than that, you know, I'm thinking of some of these poor victims that I've helped who are criminal victims of criminal identity theft, for example. You know, they, um, they may not know maybe for six months or for eight months or a year or two years about this. And so they would, they would have to ask for what you have, and then they would ask you to go out and do a search. Would they be able to do that? Not credit. We're not allowed to request credit on behalf of consumers. Right, because they can go right to the credit right, bureau. they have to go to the credit bureau themselves. Right. And they would want to because sure. they really want the most recent information. Right, um, right. So, but DMV things, you know, maybe. DMV I th- it falls in the same category in that we're not allowed to make that request on behalf of the consumer. Okay, so you, of, just, you well, just refer them to the DMV? We will, or, yes. Yeah. We, will, we have a um, contact information, and we will refer them to the DMV, and they can go directly to them just because of the um, Driver's Privacy Protection Act. Right. We don't have a per- permissible purpose to pull that information. Right. There is one on the... Um, employment side, we do have a service where if someone wanted us to, um, for example, verify their education or verify their employment because they're just curious what type of response would come back, right? they can ask us to do that and pay for that. Okay. That's not something, again, that we have here in-house, but, they, but it is a service that they can buy. So let me, let's be clear about what are the FACTA disclosures that are, that are at no cost and what are the things that people can buy from, from ChoicePoint that are supplemental. Okay. All right. So let's first talk about, you know, according to the uh, Fair Network Credit Transaction Act, there were some uh, benefits for consumers that they could get disclosures once a year for free from not only the credit bureaus, but also from some of the data brokers. So why don't you explain which ones they can get from you? Okay. And I will, if you don't mind, I'm going to start a little bit broader than the FACT Act, and I'll just kind of narrow down. Okay. Um, Because at ChoicePoint, we have what I mentioned already, which is the complete disclosure. And that information includes claims history, employment history, tenant history, all of which are related to FACT Act, which I will explain in a minute. Okay. But it also includes public record searches, which is not required by FACTA. Right. It includes, um, what else does it include? It includes um, criminal record information, which also is not required by FACTA. All right. Um, And all of that we will provide to consumers once per year for free. Oh, great. There is no charge for that. All right. Then 
um, in 2004, the FACT Act went into, um, into place, and that required companies like ChoicePoint to provide claims, tenant, and employment history reports. And those are much more narrow because they are focused around those subjects. Right. And we will, if someone wants just that, they can come to ChoicePoint and get just that as well. And that also is once per year for free. Okay. Okay. But that other one, the complete disclosure includes that, right? The complete disclosure includes that, yeah. Right, right. Exactly right. I just want to introduce you again so people who are driving by know who we're talking to. We are sitting here and speaking all the way across the country with Catherine Bryant, who is an attorney and vice president of consumer advocacy for ChoicePoint. And ChoicePoint is providing information and help for uh, companies, nonprofits, and the government. And they collect information and make our lives Sometimes easier and sometimes not so easy if, if the information is incorrect. So we're talking about the free disclosures that you can get, and you can get those at choicetrust.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And what will it say when we get there? I don't have the computer in front of me right now. I've been there before, but what what am I going to be looking for when I get there? Okay. When you log on to choicetrust.com, you will see in the left-hand column a title that says... Um, your personal records, your personal information. Okay. I don't have my website either, okay. up either. But it's, it basically says your personal information. Okay. And then we have the reports listed really in the order that I was I was describing them. The first tab says access your personal information. Okay. Is that, that the complete? That's the complete disclosure. Exactly. Okay. That tab takes you to the complete disclosure, which is basically everything. All right. And then underneath that, we have the FACTA options order your employment history, order your tenant history, order your clue report, which is claims history. Right. And so you can order those, and that will just give you those specific reports, which, as you mentioned, are included in the complete disclosure. So how many years back does your history go? The clue history goes back five years. Okay, clue is the insurance. Clue is the insurance, yes. Clue is claims. And employment and tenant... um, can really are really unlimited. It just depends on maybe when they started renting or something. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it just depends on when the report was done. So if you know if no one did a report on you until the last year, then it would just go back a year for that person. But but our information really is unlimited. Catherine, how do you ensure that the information that you're collecting is accurate? Well, one of the things that we do is you know use sources that we feel are reliable and competent. Um, Much of our information, as I mentioned, is actually pulled from public sources. And um, that information is obviously compiled by the court and um, the various agencies that are involved in the criminal process or in the public record process. And so we really rely on them to provide accurate information. Um, But in addition to that, we have procedures in place. For example, if we pull a public record, we want to make sure that it matches by name and some other identifier, such as a date of birth or a, um, a address or a social security number, so that way we can narrow down the, the possibility that that record really doesn't belong to that individual. Right. Of course, that, that wouldn't be working necessarily if you've got somebody who's a victim of identity fraud. That's, that's very true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that we do is 
we provide notice in, um, in certain circumstances about public record information that we're reporting so that the individual can see it simultaneous with the customer. And if it's incorrect, they can contact us and correct that information. And that is normally done in the employment context when we're reporting criminal record information. How do you, how do you feel about if there was a law, a federal law, that said that whenever you um, obtain a consumer report or a credit report or an information report such as you do, what do you call them, consumer reports? Or? We call them consumer reports. Right. What, how would you feel about if there was a law that said whenever you obtain one that you make a copy for the individual? How do you think ChoicePoint would feel? I, I think the ChoicePoint would be supportive of that. And one of the reasons I say that is we actually had a pilot um, that may still be ongoing. I know it kept getting extended that we did with one of our nonprofit clients where we actually did just that. When we um, reported the information to the customer, we sent the consumer an email that said, we've done a background check on you for this customer, and you can go to this website and access that information and see it. And we allowed them to pull it up, view it, and if they felt that there was something incorrect about it, they could, while they were in that report, send us a note saying, this information isn't correct, and so I want to talk about that with you. And we also asked them whether there was anything they wanted the employer to know, you know, any sort of mitigating circumstances they wanted to explain about the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it was very favorably received by our customer. Consumers actually didn't use it as frequently as we would have expected. Now, do you think it was because um, it was an email and people are so afraid of phishing? I know if I would get an email like that, I would be terrified. <laughs> now, I would I would probably delete it as an email just because there's so much, and especially for someone like you or I who know about identity theft, right. that um, I just tell everybody whenever you get an email from someone that you you are not familiar with and they're asking you to go to a website or something, just delete it. <laughs> Mara, so, you're such a cynic. <laughs> well, I am, but I have had too many people who've been victims of phishing that have contacted us. So right. I'm just wondering if the employer, if it was that, it would save you guys money and maybe or in time perhaps, but um, if, if the employer, whoever pulled the report just automatically was required to make a copy for the consumer or the potential employee, rather than the employee having to take that action of getting an email, having to go to that that um, URL, having to put in some other information to prove it's them. I just think that it, it would be so much easier to just automatically get it. Well, we actually did a couple of things um, to address some of the issues that you raised. One, we had the nonprofit tell the individuals in advance that this process was in place. So they knew it was ChoicePoint doing the background check. They were expecting to be contacted by ChoicePoint. Oh, okay. So for them, it should not have been an email out of the blue yeah, right, that they received. Right. Okay. Um, but the other thing that we did was for the individuals who weren't able to um, access the web or didn't want to access the web, we also um, told them that we would send the information to them, and they could call us and ask us for that. And anyone can do that anytime. This pilot doesn't require that. That's always true. The pilot was really more about um, 
making it available via the web instantaneously without having to be asked. Right. And that's the reason why we did that. In terms no, of I like that idea. If, yeah. if, if they know that automatically, you know, like if, they're, if they have pre-notice right. that, hey, you're going to get this. And, for example, I, I have a credit monitoring service with American Express, and they send me an email. And then I know to go to the website if they say there's been a change in your score or something, mm-hmm. then I know to go to the website, put in my password, and look and see what's new. And right. and then I can pull up my entire credit report for all three companies and my credit score instantaneously. Right. So, but I don't, I don't have, there's no URL in that email. It just says go where you know to go. And, and then I do that myself. You know what I mean? So right, right. it's a little less scary, but I, I do think that's a great idea. I would also, I also like the fact of, you know, hey, I want to see exact copy. That's the other question. Would I get the exact copy? It's, for example, with the credit bureaus, um, when, if you're denied credit, you can go to the credit bureaus and get a copy of your credit report, but it's not the exact same one that the creditor got. Right. I think a lot of companies do have a customer version and a, and a consumer-friendly version. Um, at ChoicePoint, I think most of the, mostly the reports are the same, but some of the information is going to be truncated. That For the consumer, that might not have been truncated for the customer. Um, for example, when we send reports um, to, to consumers, we truncate socials and date of births um, because we we're extra careful in case the information gets sent to the wrong person. Okay. How about you, it, would, it wouldn't be a bad idea to truncate even for the employer? We do truncate the information for the employer in terms of information we develop. What we don't truncate is what the information they gave us. We will echo it back oh, to I them. Oh, I see. I see. Right. So, and employers need that in order a lot of times just for matching purposes. I was just going to say to make sure that that is an exact match. That's exactly right. Yeah, but we will truncate the information that we develop and give to them that they didn't originally provide to us. Right, right. Because um, I've been saying for a long time that, that people should be getting the same exact copy, absolutely. And um, so what if, what if, let's say, you get this consumer disclosure... Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to your, your test uh, there. Tell me, so what percentage of people um, actually, at, from the nonprofit, what percentage of people actually asked for their disclosure? It was less than 10%. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was less than 10%. We were actually very surprised. We were really excited about the pilot, and we would have liked for more participation just because it would have helped us work out the kinks and yes. figure out how to make it more friendly and um, you know, easier to access, but it was it was actually fairly low participation. Now, did you do any follow up to find out why someone participated or did not participate? Um, we haven't done follow up yet. We I, last I heard, we had extended the pilot a couple of times to see if maybe there was some sort of delay in terms of the pilot being launched and the employer actually doing background checks. Um, and pushing those through, you know, through the cycle. Um, the other thing that we've thought about doing is maybe um, trying another customer who maybe has a different um, applicant pool who might be more interested in finding out information about themselves. Because yeah, I, we did this with nonprofit versus employment. Right. I just think that maybe people don't realize 
um, the importance of this. That That's the only thing I could think. I w- I'm just fascinated to know. You'll have to come back and tell me what you find out, why they didn't do it, because when I talk about Choice Point's fact of disclosure and the credit report disclosure, people are so thrilled when they understand what they can find out that now more and more people are using the annual com to be able to get their free credit report. But a lot of people don't understand, you know, how important this is or they, you know, I, I think that perhaps they just don't get it. And, and that's what I'd be thrilled to find out why they didn't participate because I think it's great that you're we, doing we, that. We agree with you. We think it's great. I, I think it's critical for people to really know what information is out there about them. And my guess would be that maybe people knew um, what was going to, you know, or thought they knew what was going to come back, and so they didn't feel they needed to see it. Huh. Yeah. Um, but, yes, it will be very interesting when we do the follow-up to find out why people weren't, weren't involved. Well, you know, some of the studies, for example, with credit reports, which is not the same th- information that you gather, but, for the, for example, the United States Public Interest Research Group found that 70% of credit reports had errors, and about mm-hmm. almost 30% were enough to keep you from getting a job or, or a house or a car or any kind of credit card. So, um, and, and obviously, those errors are not your fault if you're collecting them from public records. And people need to know, if they think, oh, everything's fine, I'm sure everything is fine, and then they find out that something isn't fine, then that's the, the craziness, you know. That is exactly that, that is so true. One of the things that we see occasionally is someone who thinks their public record has been expunged or sealed. And when you go to the courthouse, that record is actually there for public view. Mm. And they don't know that because they've never gone back to check and, and, and verify that the information actually got pulled. And then that information gets reported to someone. And um, even though you may correct the report and the you know, the court may now eventually pull that information out of public view, that potential employer has seen that information. Right. And so now it's in their, in their head. You can't, re- you can't remove it from their head. Yes. So it is really important for people to check their records and make sure they're accurate. We, and especially um, with people who have names that are similar, something yes. could be somehow, you know, it gets mixed, a mixed file or a merged file, and it gets somehow confusing. I don't know. I mean, there there are such things as merged files with regard to um, all the credit bureaus, and I wonder, and I don't know if you could even answer this, but you know, I, I would imagine that that could happen even with the profiles that you collect and disseminate. Since there are so how many how many files do you work with a year? Oh my goodness, we do on the employment side nine million transactions a right, year. Right. Insurance, it's one hundred million. It's it's a very large volume. Now, Catherine, does this ever happen to you like that happens with the credit bureaus? Maybe uh, John Sr.'s file will get mixed up with John Jr.'s. Every now and then, it's um, it's one of the reasons, for example, if we were pulling a criminal record why we require two identifiers. And we um, we generally try not to use address for that reason because sometimes you can have a junior and a senior who still live in the same household or at least live there, obviously, at one time. Right, at right. the same place. And so we try to pick a date of birth or a social security number, although those social security numbers are not generally available in public records for privacy reasons. Right. Um, so we'll try to rely on a date of birth instead because... 
That makes a difference. Yeah, John yeah, Senior is going to be 20 years older exactly. than John. Yeah, exactly. than John Junior. Yeah, I know. I actually had a client who had the same name as his father, and his father had abandoned them when he was a kid. And his father had a criminal record, and he didn't, and somehow that got mixed up, and he could not understand it. His dad was 25 years older. Wow. It just, yeah, it was yeah. it was amazing. And that's frustrating for consumers. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, especially when you can't get a job because of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I'm always stressing when I go out and speak, you know, do it now when it's not a critical time for you. Right. Because you don't know what you're going to find, and you don't know what effort you're going to have to expend to correct something. So do it now when, when it's really not a critical time for you. So let's say someone pulls their their uh, record tomorrow, and they do find things on there that, that have nothing to do with them. So what is the next step that they should take with ChoicePoint? With ChoicePoint, they should call our Consumer Center hotline. Okay, and will you repeat that number again? I sure will. That number is one 497 and when they call that line, it will ask them what they're calling about, whether it's insurance-related or employment-related. If they got a complete disclosure, it's really not related to either of those, but that's okay. They can pick either option. Um, and then what they will do is talk to a consultant who will take from them the information that they feel is incorrect. And then we will initiate a reinvestigation, and that means going back to whoever the source of the information is and um, investigating whether a mistake was made either by the source or um, in some other way that needs to re- require a revision in the in the record. Okay, so if the if you go back, it's easy if you go back and they say, oh, there was a typographical error or something, that would be easy. Um, maybe. <laughs> I guess I have to <laughs> yeah, ask you, wait a minute. That might that, not be that easy. It might not be that easy because I could tell you a story about a poor guy who – um, there was an error where he was an identity um, victim, identity theft victim, and the court knew it. But some clerk, by mistake, put him as the criminal and the other one as the victim. Oh, no. <laughs> so he had a conviction record that really was juxtaposed. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. And it was hell and high water for me to find that because even when I went back to the clerk of the court, they argued with me and then I got, I, they wouldn't even give me the court records. This is for a client on the East Coast. When they finally gave me the records, um, I saw it. And even then they said, well, you have to do a motion to get this fixed. It was insane. It was totally. Wow, that sounds like a nightmare for that poor person. I know. Oh, so I mean, is it, so what? What if something like that happens? How how far will your people go to help them with that? Well, there are some limitations simply because we're not their lawyer, and right. so we obviously you know have to be careful about how far we advocate for them without um, violating the law. Um, but we will. We can do a lot of things for them. We have um, the ability to go and pull those records, which I think is, you know, the starting point for a lot of people who just haven't seen their record. Um, we can also con- connect them with resources that we have. You know, for example, um, we work with the Identity Theft Resource Center who will um, counsel them on how to address, let's say the problem was identity theft. Okay. How do they fix the problem if it were identity theft? Sure. We also have um, a relationship with an organization in California um, 
that is also offered to help assist people when there's a public record issue. Um, and then if they can't assist them, then to make referrals to them for other, you know, to other organizations that maybe can assist them. Right. So we can assist by trying to connect them with the right the right resources so that they can take the right. the steps that they need to. And sometimes there's things that they can do themselves, and we can help explain that. For example, a lot of times when your criminal record um, is a result of identity theft, you can clear that up with the fingerprint, um, a fingerprint match. You right, know, but, you, but you still have to go to court and, and get that uh, adjudicated. So, you know, I mean, get the right name on the record. Right, yeah. right. But at least that at least you can advise them as to certain things you can do. Yes. Right. Now let me let me ask you something. If um, what would you think about this? You know how in the Fair Credit Reporting Act, um, if someone reports inaccuracy to the credit bureau and they reinvestigate, and they can't prove it, then it must be taken off the report. In other words, if the reinvestigation, if they don't respond to you or they, they can't show that indeed this, this uh, was true, that mm-hmm. got, you know, this record, right. um, that they would, you know, that the credit bureaus must take it off. What do you think about that same ruling or that same procedure or law for data brokers? Actually, that law does apply to ChoicePoint. Um, because it's part of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Well, yeah, when you right, right, but it does, but that doesn't seem to happen with, for example, criminal records, right? Well, for us, it does. Okay. If we are, um, and I guess it, it, you know, maybe it depends on what you mean by you're unable to prove it. Um, but in our in our world, if we're unable to. Um, go back and verify information with the source, then we have to remove it as well, just like the credit bureau. Okay, so you you do the same thing because we, it's, it's considered a, a, a consumer report under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, so you, you remove it within the 30 days as well? That's right, yes. Okay. And we, in order for us to put it back, and sometimes the removal isn't because you're not able to verify it, but you don't hear back from the court in time. Right. Um, and so we will remove it, and the only way we can put it back at that point is to get uh, certification from the court that the record is accurate and, and oh, well, complete. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. And what measures does ChoicePoint take now, you know, in this day and age when we're hearing about security breaches? And, of course, you know, ChoicePoint had its own, you know, challenges in February. I mean, I mean, uh, what was it, two years ago in 2004, 2005, with the security breach, what what measures now are you taking? I know you guys have come such you come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're very proud yeah, of that. <laughs> no, I mean it really, and and I think that's great. I know that uh, when we had Carol on and she explained everything, and and we should probably explain again just so people who weren't who didn't hear Carol explain why the Federal Trade Commission uh, indeed did take measures to. Um, work out a consent decree with you, and w- why don't you explain that to my to my audience a little bit? Okay, sure. Um, in 2004, ChoicePoint um, was the victim of um, fraudulent activity by companies or individuals that posed as legitimate customers, right. and they were um, located in the Los Angeles area, and in um, posing as legitimate customers, they came to ChoicePoint and um, ran searches through our services and um, 
obtain information on individuals that they weren't supposed to and didn't have a permissible purpose for. And um, when Choice Point learned of that, we sent notices out to the individuals who we thought had run, had, had had searches run on them. And um, that information, of course, as everyone knows, was, um, you know, made public and there were several stories written about it. And as a result, that um, led the FTC to come to Choice Point and um, have discussions with us about whether we had proper practices and procedures in place um, and whether there had been any violation of the law. And um, Choice Point, of course, felt that they hadn't done anything wrong and that we really were the victim, but we did feel like it made sense to reach an agreement with the FTC to settle the matter and put it behind us, and um, that is what we did. Right. And, and there were victims of identity theft. I mean, they, they really were some victims as a, as a result of these fraudsters, these bad guys, um, getting the credit reports and, and getting, a, you know, s- sensitive information with Social Security numbers, et cetera. But the good news is um, that that has really brought you all to a, a much higher consciousness about really protecting consumers and helping to be more transparent and moving you into this new job. <laughs> well, absolutely. We, um, you know, it turns out the number of victims was actually quite small compared to the number of notices that were sent out, um, and we're thankful for that. We're actually very happy about that. But it, but you're correct. The, the fraudulent um, incident for Choice Point was, um, you know, a curse and a blessing because, one, it helped us to refine things that we were already doing and to make them more robust and even better. And it also gave us an opportunity because we were, you know, defending ourselves to share with the public what it is that we were doing and are doing and what we added to what we were doing. Um, that really demonstrates that today we're a leader in the protection of individuals' privacy. We're a leader in the information industry. We have a, you know, an industry standard um, an industry-setting standard for credentialing our customers for our information security program. Um, you know, it's really difficult for anyone to find um, a critic of Choice Point today, based on all of the changes and improvements that we've made. And so we're we're very proud of where we are today, and um, and we're thankful that we had to go through that. It was a it was a growth opportunity for us, and it has led to um, opportunities internally and externally. Well, you're now the leader, as you said, and I'm just wondering, you know, I wish all of the data brokers were had the same standards that you have, and, and that's what's concern, you know, disconcerting for me is that there are still so many information um, brokers out there that are not living up to the standards that you have now set, and that's, how do you feel about legislation to, or how does ChoicePoint feel about strongly supporting legislation that would provide the kind of oversight that would bring the other information brokers into the same category of, of protection. ChoicePoint is absolutely in support of legislation that would require accountability by entities that handle personal information. And that's true whether they're in the public sector, they're academia, they're in the private sector. We're, we support that 100%. And we have done a lot on our own because um, 
of well, the partially things that, you had to, you know. Well, be, because of the things that we have gone through, right. you know, not necessarily because of legislation, though. No. And some of our competitors, you know, maybe have done some of the things that we've done, but certainly no one is as far out in front as Choice Point is. And, um, and so we would certainly welcome legislation that would require our competitors to have to take the same steps in protecting privacy. It's good business. You know, it's fair for everyone to do it. It makes it smart. Um, so we, we think it's the right thing to do. We absolutely think it's the right thing to do. Now, there there have been stories, and, you know, Choice Point, LexisNexis, and Axiom are the big three, just like, you know, TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. You know, you you, you are the, the major information gatherers and, and you know, the, the most reputable, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um what about the 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 question and the news stories that Choice Point is engaged in in data mining on behalf of the government? Well, the term data mining to me means that you give your database to someone and say, "Have fun, go search and see what you can find." And that is not Choice Point's business model. Um, Choice Point only allows businesses to run specific searches based on um, a specific name, specific identifiers that the um, customer already has. Um, And for law enforcement, it's going to be in connection with um, an ongoing investigation. So it's not searching to see if you can, you know, create an investigation. It's an investigation that is already going. Um, We provide technology to our clients so that after they've searched Choice Points database and they have that information within their own four walls, they can do analysis to see how it's connected, but they can't use those tools to come into Choice Points database and do that. So we do not provide any data mining to customers. So basically your contracts are they can, tell me, I don't want to say what they are. You tell me, what, what are the various types of contracts that you have with government? The, the contracts we have with government are really the same types of contracts that we have with private sector. And a perfect example would be we had a contract with TSA, the Transportation um, Security, Security Administration, mm-hmm. and that contract was to do background checks on their employees. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't spying. It wasn't data mining. It was they came to us and said, you know, I want to do a background check on John Doe with this date of birth and this Social Security number. And then we went and did a back, the same type of background check we would do for any employer. So the contracts that we have with the government really are the same type of contracts that we have with private sector. For law enforcement, you know, they may be involved in um, an investigation and they're wanting to get information about someone who they suspect, you know, having been involved in criminal activity. But they have to know who that person is and they have to have some information about that person already. And they can come to us and do a unique search on that individual. Right. But they can't come to us and you know, put that person in and find, you know, search our whole entire database to find out everything they can about them and their family and everybody else. Right. You know, what? there's there's concern about the Privacy Act with regard to government that the government, you know, the, the 1974 Privacy Act basically states that the government should have no secret databases. And there has been articles, as you know, concerned about not just ChoicePoint, but other companies, data brokers, that are really providing, letting the government skirt that Privacy Act. Um, What are your thoughts about that? 
Well, ChoicePoint is not doing that. The information that we are providing to our customers really is mostly coming from public sources. So it's information that they already have access to. Um, they, it's easier for them to get it from ChoicePoint because it's aggregated. But they could go to Georgia and pull the public record, and then they could go to California and pull that same, you know, pull the public record, and then they could go to New York and pull the public record. But that means they have to make three trips, you know, and three efforts. Whereas they can come to ChoicePoint, and they're able to pull from those three states with one effort. But the information is the same that they could have gotten on their own. It is the same information that they're legally entitled to. Right, and and I mean, if the government is doing this and holding these secret databases, that's not. Choice points action. It's that is the not government's. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I mean, I want to make that clear. I, I understand that. It's just that there's a big difference between somebody going and having to go to the courthouse and pick this and pick that versus buying an entire dossier or profile. And that's that's part of the the. I mean, that's part of the technology and the information age. I mean, we understand that. It's just that it's a little bit scary for those who are worried about privacy with regard to the government and the Privacy Act, but that's that's really not your issue except that you have a contract with them. That is not our issue, and we are not in that business. We do not have a dossier on all American citizens. We have, you know, very um, specific information. We, we have criminal records, for example. So, right. you know, and, and we don't have all criminal records, you know, from every place in the United States. Um, so if you have a criminal record, there is a potential that you will be in our criminal record database. Right. But that is just really, you know, that's just one unique item about you that, that ChoicePoint has. We don't have any other, we're not going to have your mortgage information, we're not going to have your credit, we don't have your medical records. Right. We, um, you know, we don't know your fam- you know, who your family is or anything about your family, that type of information. So we really have, we have public record information about people. Well, you know, I, I had a question about when we're talking about medical stuff because I understand that ChoicePoint has purchased many companies that collect other data. Um, what about DNA and fingerprints and blood type data? ChoicePoint used to own um, a company called Bodhi, um, Bodhi Technologies, and it was a laboratory that did DNA testing. Right. We actually uh, sold that company in 2007, and so we don't own them anymore, but but at the time, we did um, DNA testing for um, forensic labs, and the um, law enforcement would actually send us the sample. We would do the testing, and then we actually would send it back. We didn't store it or keep it at Choice Point, and we actually didn't have any identifying information. So we only knew it was, you know, sample one, two, three, four, five. Right. We didn't know what individual it belonged to. We didn't have any, um, you know, any names or social security numbers or anything else like that that was tied to it. But we sold that. We sold that company this year. Yeah, I, a couple years ago, and I don't remember exactly when this was. My husband got his captain's license, and he had to take some drug test or something for it, you know, to get your captain's license. Mm-hmm. And when he got the blood test back, or was it a blood test, Lloyd? I can't remember what it was. If it was, oh, it was a urine test. So whatever it was, it said Choice Point on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Are they still doing that? Yes, Choice Point does have a. Um, a drug testing division, and um, what we do, the, the part that we play in it is we will um, schedule the individual to go and have their drug test taken, um, I'm, I'm sorry, their sample taken for the drug test, 
and um, and we schedule that with the laboratory who actually collects the sample, and the laboratory actually stores the sample, and um, and what Choice Point will receive from the laboratory is the test results, and so we would know that someone, for example, tested positive for marijuana, and um, and we would have that information, but we actually don't have the sample that actually is kept at the lab. Right. I think people worry, and maybe you could kind of reassure us, I think people worry about when you see, when when he got that in the mail, I went, oh, wow, you know, I wonder if that goes into your profile. Um, were my worries warranted or, or what? I mean, it, luckily it was okay, and he got his license, and he didn't have any drugs. Right. But just, just the worry. Luckily. 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 <laughs> you know, he's laughing. For so many he's, reasons, right? I know, I know. He's, wait a minute. What do you wait. mean, luckily? <laughs> he's going to get mad at me. No, I mean, he didn't. He doesn't do drugs. So anyway, but I mean, it, it came back fine, and everything was okay. But it just kind of was strange when I saw that on there, and I thought, what you know, what other fields are they in that maybe all of this could be combined into one profile? Does that make sense what I'm saying? I, I do understand the question. Yes. Um, that and I think it's a it's a very um, interesting question. We don't create a profile. Um, and I guess that's probably the one of the myths about Choice Point is we don't have a Katherine Bryant file. And in that file is all of Catherine's information. Um, you know, it is actually, all of it is actually segregated, you know, desegregated, I guess is probably the right word. Right. Meaning somewhere, I, you know, if I did a, a drug test for a potential employer and they were using Choice Point, my drug test results will be stored in Choice Point. But in a that, separate file. In a separate file. But I that see. is not connected to over here. I'm also, you know, I also have a criminal record from, you know, something that I did in my past. And so there's that record, too. The two are not connected. The the criminal, for example, the criminal records, all it is just looks like a criminal record database. It's not identified by a person. Right. But so, then the technology, if you if you put in Mari Frank, for example, and I had s- several things in, in several areas, then if you did that, then it would just pull together. It would actually pull it together into a report. It would search and pull it together. For, for our... Our complete disclosure that we discussed. Yes, that's what it does. Yes, it okay. doesn't pull it into one report. It, it actually pulls them into their individual separate reports um, because the databases are all separate, so the information is not um, it's, it's not easy for us to mingle it together. Right. So you actually do get separate reports. It never pulls in the drug testing information. Okay. Because that information that information has um, um, even you know, greater security and privacy concerns about it. So we don't disclose that as part of our complete disclosure. Well, Lloyd says we are out of time. We oh, could talk no. forever. We, I know. It's I love so this quick. topic. <laughs> I know. I know. I want to thank you so much. Just give your uh, your website once real quick. Okay. And then we're going to have to go, and I will make sure that you come back next year. Okay. The website is www.choicetrust.com. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Oh, me too, Catherine. And they will go there, and they're going to get their free, complete disclosure. And I thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk soon. All right. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org. I'm Mari Frank, your host, and my engineer is Lloyd. Thank you for joining us. Please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy, and see you next Wednesday. 
The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.